As I begin a series of messages around Christmas, I titled it, I'm Dreaming of a Right Christmas. And the reason I did that was because so many times the world forgets what Christmas is all about. We uh, can get caught up with the giving, get caught up with uh, the uh, parties and all of uh, the celebrations that people are going to through as far as office parties and things of that nature and fail to remember what Christmas is all about. And so what I want us to do for the next three weeks, I want us to focus upon what Christmas really, really means and look at it in three different aspects. Today I want to look at the aspect of the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want us to think about the miracle of the virgin birth. I read an interesting article here a while back, and it was about a lady by the name of Diane Fossey. You may recognize her. Maybe you've seen her in the news. She is a zoologist from California. And what she uh, did, she became so immersed in her studies concerning gorillas. In fact, even to the point that she left her home in California and she moved to Africa. And for 18 years, she lived among the gorillas. She began to imitate them. She began to act like them. She became one of them. She would take their little babies and she would hold them in their arms as a mother would. She would um, weep when they would weep. She would beat her chest like they would beat her chest, like they would beat their chests. She would do all those things. And what she actually did, she became one of them. Unfortunately, at the end of those 18 years, she died at the hands of the knife-welding poacher that tried to kill one of the uh, gorillas. And she stood in the way and she was killed. When I thought about that story, I thought, isn't that exactly what Christmas is all about? That Jesus left the glories of heaven to come into this world, to live among us, and not only to live among us, but to identify with us. And there the Bible says that he was born of a virgin, And there he grew to become a man. He wept, as we have noticed in the last week or so, with Mary and Martha in the time of death. He would laugh and he would find himself immersed in the lives of so many people. And he did it for one reason, 
to identify with us so that He could become our Savior. And there upon a cross, He took upon Himself the sins of mankind. Today, I want us to talk about the the virgin birth. A lot of people think that that's not all that important. But I want you to understand, it is fundamental to the truth and to our faith that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. So with your Bibles, I'd like for you to stand with me as we turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 26 and following. Listen to what Luke tells us here in this passage of Scripture. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Now notice what it says. The virgin's name was Mary. Having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when he saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of her of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One is to be born, will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month of her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. If you don't have that underlined, you ought to have it underlined in your Bible. Highlight it. For with God, there's nothing impossible. Amen? Amen. Amen. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Father, we're so grateful for your blessed word, and for the wonderful promise that you have given to us in the word of God. Thank you for eternal life. 
through the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, that today, as we look upon this subject of the virgin birth, Lord, that you would give us a mind that we might can understand, a heart that might accept the fact that God himself was born of this woman and that he grew to become a man, to become the Savior of the world. Bless us, dear Lord. Anoint us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. And may the words that come forth bring praise to you. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The miracle of his birth. Every birth, I think, is a miracle. But especially the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to a couple of these passages of scriptures. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, which we just got through reading. Listen to what he says. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. The virgin's name was Mary. Listen to what Matthew said in chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, listen to this, Behold, the virgin shall be called, shall be, shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated God with us. God with us. Do you feel the impact of that statement? God with us. Ian Paisley made a statement one time that I thought was so interesting. He said, I believe in the supernatural Christianity, which presents a supernatural Christ, who had a supernatural birth, who lived a supernatural life, who died a supernatural death, who rose a supernatural resurrection, and who is coming again in a supernatural manner. Amen. I believe in that supernatural. As I said earlier, there's to some people, they don't see the importance of the virgin birth. But I want you to understand it's not only incidental, but it is fundamental that we may understand the importance of the virgin birth. So therefore, I want to share with you three things this morning as we think about the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, I want you to think about the revelation, the revelation of of the virgin birth. One of the greatest truths throughout the entire Bible is the truth of the virgin birth. You go all the way back and began to recognize that initially it was proclaimed in Genesis chapter 3. In the early pages of our Bible that we have today, in Genesis chapter 3, Verse 15. Listen what it says. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. 
He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. From the very beginning, it was talking about the miraculous birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. It speaks about the presence of sin in the world. It speaks about the promise of the Savior of the world. We see the diabolical seed, which of course was Satan when it says, your seed. And then it speaks about the divine seed, which of course was her seed, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I think it's interesting when you think about the description of her seed, distinguishing from all the other seeds of others. See, the seed is normally produced by the male, not the female. The female produces the egg. But here the Bible said her seed. What is being stated here is that a woman that who knew not a man was going to have a child and that child was going to be born of a virgin. What a miraculous event that was. But not only do you see the initially proclaimed, but you go on throughout the Bible and you see it of how it was historically prophesied throughout the Bible. Throughout the Bible, it talked about from, from one prophet to the other, speaking about the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think of that great, great prophet Isaiah. Chapter 7, verse 14. He spoke about that virgin birth. Listen to what he said. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Hundreds of years before the event ever took place, a sign was given. Number one, that there would be a virgin birth. Number two, that there would be a son would be born. Number three, a son would be God himself in the human flesh. Can you imagine how they probably scratched their head back during those days? Wondering how in the world could this ever be? But then you began to notice that as the time got nearer and nearer and nearer, the angelically pronounced the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. The destined hour was drawing so near, and the angels come, as we have read here today. You go back to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. The angel revealed the virgin birth to Joseph. Even in this scripture here today, Luke chapter 1, verse 26, he's revealing that Mary, revealing to her that she was going to be born, that she was going to have a child that would be born as of, from the virgin birth. Over and over and over and over again, we see the importance of the virgin birth in the Bible. So we notice the revelation. But not only the revelation of his birth, 
but the reality. Notice with me the reality of the virgin birth, of that the hour has come and it's become a reality. Luke chapter 2 verse 7 says, And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Have you ever thought about this? Here was a, a mother, earthly mother, giving birth to a child. This child had an earthly mother, but it did not have what you might would think of an earthly father. But he had a heavenly father, but no heavenly mother. Here was a child that was born, that was no doubt that was of God himself. Now, down through the years, there has been what is known as the denial of the virgin birth. Now, that is very critical because I want you to understand the damage that it does when you think about the denial. All through the years, down through the ages, people have assaulted and denied and made fun and made light of the virgin birth. But you know what? George Barna, that one that goes around and takes surveys, he said eight out of ten people in America believes in the virgin birth. He says 85%. 85%. But not everybody, and especially theologians. Bishop John Sponge, in his book, Born of a Woman, said, Jesus was not born of a virgin. That is a myth. This is supposed to be a so-called theologian. Harry Emerson Fostick, which is supposed to have been one of the great preachers of his day. He said this, and I quote, I want to assure you that I do not believe in the virgin birth. It is a myth. A Bishop Robinson said that the virgin birth is a story on the level of Andy Capp's comics. What a tragedy. These are theologians that have denied the virgin birth. But I remind you what Matthew says in chapter 1, verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child. That's what's coming from the word of God. Scoffers have scoffed at the idea that it is biologically impossible. But let me stop and just say for a moment. God created the first man without a a woman and without a man. And if he can create a man without a woman and a man, don't you think he can create a man with and through a woman? Absolutely. And he did that. So we've seen the denial, but what about the doctrine? You think about the doctrine of the virgin birth. Belief in the virgin birth is absolutely 
critical. A.B. Bruce said, with the denial of the virgin birth is apt to go to the denial of the virgin life. In other words, he has said, you deny the virgin birth, you'll deny the life of Christ that was sinless. Gresham Masham was right when he said, certain it is that men who reject the virgin birth scarcely ever hold to a really Christian view of Christ. So true. Bishop John Spong in the uh, Times Magazine said this, The New Testament passage, as narrow-minded and vindictive, he states that the gospel writers have twisted the facts concerning Jesus' resurrection, which was never to be taken literally. He also said there is not much value in the doctrine of the Trinity or in belief in that Jesus Christ was sent to save fallen humanity from their sins. Why don't they just close their Bible and go home? What a tragedy for a man to be in the ministry to make such a statement such as this. The doctrine of the virgin birth, my friend, is so essential, friend, that if it was not, number one, God's a liar. God lied about the virgin birth. The prophets are phony if it's not true. The Bible is a joke. And sinners is without a hope of salvation. You might as well turn out the lights, lock the doors, and go home. And so therefore, friend, we must understand the essential facts of what the Word of God says of the virgin birth. But let's stop for a moment. We've we've looked at just for a few moments the reality of it. We have looked for a few moments of the revelation of how it was shared with us. But what are the reasons? If the virgin birth is all that important, tell me the reasons. I've got two that I want to share with you today. That I believe that it's why it's absolutely necessary to believe in the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, the sinfulness of sinners. The reason Jesus came into this world is because man is a sinner and he needs a savior. The angel said to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21, and he shall be, and he shall bring forth a son and I shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. That was the whole purpose of him coming. And without that, there is no purpose. What is man's greatest need? Is it economy that we somebody will come and help our economy? If so, God would send an economist. Would it be an educator? 
That God would send an educator to educate us that we may become more enlightened? No, my friend, what man's greatest needs is, he needs a Savior because he is a sinner. I read an interesting story here a while back. And it was concerning a police officer was giving training to other police officers in the library in Salt Lake City. They were in a room and he was giving instruction. He was a plainclothes policeman. And he heard a ruckus outside the door. He looked outside the door and he saw a gunman. And this gunman was ushering 18 hostages into a room. Immediately, he left from where he was at, and he got in line with those 18 hostages, which made it 19 hostages. As they got into the room, the gunman began to explain how he was going to execute every single one of those hostages. At that time, that policeman spoke up that he was a policeman. He got in a ruckus with the gunman. And in the midst of the gunman and that ruckus, that policeman fatally shot that gunman. And he was able to set the captives free. When I read that story, I thought, you know what? Isn't that almost like what Jesus did? Jesus came into this world dressed up just like us. We are being held hostage by sin. We're being held hostage by Satan. And he set the captives free. Oh, my friend, I want you to understand, that's what Christmas is all about. That he has set the captives free. And we are free indeed. Oh. But there's a second reason. Not only because of the sinfulness of the sinner, but the sinlessness of the Savior. See, as I said to you other, or for a few moments ago, the virgin birth is not only incidental, it is fundamental. I was reading in a book one time concerning the Civil War days. It was interesting, and I didn't know this until I read it in this book, that many of the men were drafted into the army. And they were drafted to go and to fight for their ones that they were uh, representing. But you know what you could do? If you were wealthy enough, you could pay someone to take your place. And that that person would go and he would take upon your name 
and those orders that was drafted into your account. And there you would go and you would fulfill the responsibility of another person. Well, there was this one particular man did that. He paid a person to take his place, to go to battle. And as he went to battle, that man died and perished in a terrible, terrible battle. What was amazing wasn't long after that, that the man that had paid that particular man to go to take his place was drafted again. He went to the authorities and says, you can't draft me. He says, I've already have gone to war. In fact, I'm dead. If you don't believe it, look at your records. And they had to agree that he had died in the war and he would not have to go back to war again. Have you ever stopped to think about that's exactly what Jesus Christ did? Jesus Christ came and there he took you and he took me to the cross. And there he died in our place. And so when Satan comes and threatens me to to kill me, my friend, I can't die because I've already died. I died with the Lord Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. And I am going to be alive and live forevermore. Oh, friend... Do you understand what I'm saying? See, the Bible tells us that we're sinners by nature. I'm reminded of what David said in Psalms 51, verse 5. He says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. In other words, I was born into this world As a sinner, I have a sinful nature. It began all the way back to Adam and it has been transported from one generation to the other generation until it's come to my generation and that I am born as a sinner. And my friend, the scripture says death, sin, passed upon all men, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. But as you stop and you think about it, you say, now why is the virgin birth so important? Had Jesus been born as being the son of Joseph, you know what he would have been? He would have been a sinner. He would have been a sinner just like you and me. Because, friend, I want you to understand that When a child is born, he takes upon the blood type of his father. That's why a lot of guys that who uh, sometimes they will do blood tests to determine who the father is of a child. It's because that that child will take upon the blood type 
of his father. Not the mother, but the father. And if Jesus had been born by Joseph being the father of his of that child, he would have had the blood type of Joseph. He would have taken upon the nature of Joseph as well, which was as a sinner. But listen to me. Listen to me. This is what's so important and so incredibly exciting. You know what blood type Jesus had? It was the blood type of his father, the heavenly father. Pure and perfect and holy. That is why, my friend, the virgin birth is so important, is that he was born of a virgin, not contaminated by a man, not contaminated by the seed of a man, but all, my friend, but of God and God himself alone. Oh, the virgin birth is so essential. Back during the world, World War II, a man and his little boy was walking down the street. And he was noticing that in the windows, there were stars that were lit. And the little boy asked the father, what does those stars represent? He said, oh, son, what that represents is that family have given their son to war and to battle. After a little while, the little boy looked up in the sky and he says, Look, Daddy, you see that star? That must mean that the father had given his son that we might have life. Oh, my friend, the importance of the virgin birth is essential when you come to celebrate Christmas. That Jesus Christ was born of a virgin and was not contaminated by the nature of sin of mankind, but that he was pure. And he was holy. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that what sums it all up? That no wonder we can sing joy to the world. That because of the Christ that has come into our life, he's given us everlasting life. And his life, pure and holy. Father, in Jesus' name, we're so grateful and thankful for the way that you have planned all this out in such a manner that bringing your Son into this world. The reason he lived a sinless life was because... He was the God child. 
God himself, born of a virgin, to live and dwell among us so that he might set the captives free. Lord, I am a firm believer that the number of people that are under the sound of my voice here today, there is a possibility, a strong possibility, there's people here today will go throughout this Christmas season and never truly understand what it's all about. Unless you experience it personally, how can you comprehend what Christmas means? So Lord, I just pray that the Holy Spirit may move among us, search every heart, every crevice of every heart and mind, and reveal to that individual whether he has that assurance of salvation or whether he does not. And if he doesn't, today would be the greatest gift one could ever receive, and that is to receive Christ as their Savior and their Lord. So, Lord, may you speak, may you work, may you demonstrate your power once again among your people. In Jesus' name.